I invite you to open the app, turn on whatever device has your Bible in it, or if you're like me, you're old and set in your ways, and I have a paper version that I love dearly. Uh, I often study through the electronic means, but in the mornings when I have my daily time with God, it's always this. And uh, I am so thankful for God's word. And again, I want to encourage you, if you do not have a daily time with God, I pray that you do. And I pray that you use his word as the primary source. It's okay to have these devotional booklets and things of this nature, but nothing, nothing beats the word of God. It is what we can count on. Uh, uh, Open your Bibles, please, to uh, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, and as you are turning there or turning it on there, uh, we do want to remember our, our birthday as a country uh, this week. Um, uh, despite all of its misgivings and all of its turmoil, the United States to me is probably the, the greatest, most blessed nation in all the world. And uh, as we come to the scripture today, we are reminded that we are just sojourners in this world. This is not our home. And I'm also reminded of the countries around the world where Christianity is, is frowned upon, it's illegal, it's illegal to meet, it's illegal to have scripture. Those are some of the fastest growing Christians in the, in the world. And it just goes to show that it is not our nationality, it is just the new birth that comes through Jesus Christ. Uh, so let, we'll begin reading in John chapters 2, starting in verse 23, and we will go through chapter 3, verse 21. Now when he, that he being Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. 
If I have told you earthly things, you would have believed. But how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because of their works or evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray in the honor of reading God's holy word. Father, we do come before you today. Father, praising you for who you are. For, Father, for thanking you and giving us your word. Your word that reveals who you are, your character, your nature. But, Father, it reveals who we are, too. And, Father, who we are, we are a people in desperate need of you. Father, I pray now that, God, that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears, our eyes, that we may see Jesus. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Back in the day, even before my day, okay, before the days of television, there was radio. And everybody would gather around the radio in, in the evening times and listen to the programs that came on. And I wasn't old enough to listen to those, but my father was, and he made tapes of a few of them, of them and he made us sit and listen to some of them, and Lum and Abner and things of this nature. And there was one radio program called The Shadow. And in that, the, the, the storyline always began, what evil lurks in the hearts of men, only the shadow knows. Well, the shadow didn't know, okay? But the Lord Jesus does. Why? Because he is God and we're not. I, last time I spoke here, I spoke in, in from John chapter 12. And I said that you have to read the scripture in the context in which it is written. You can't just pick out a, a scripture verse and just go with it, okay? We can pick out scripture, a verse of scripture out, and we can make it say anything that we want. But to understand the heart, the nature, the glory of God, we have to read scripture in its context. And the, the, the scripture that we get caught up on the most is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We, how many of you grew up in church? 
Okay, I, you know, as soon as I was able to get to the church, that's where I was. The door, every time the doors were open, we were there. And how many times have we heard this scripture? If you, in Southern Baptist, we had this thing called Bible drill. Okay, where kids, you, you learn where scripture is in the Bible. You memorize scripture in the Bible. And we have competitions on who can know the most scripture and, and who can get to that scripture the fastest. Good stuff to do, okay? And we grew up as probably this is the first verse we ever learned. It is drilled into our heads. It is magnified into our hearts. It is a glorious verse. It is a great, great verse. But we don't seem to understand the context of that verse. To understand this context, we have to go back to John chapter 2 there in uh, uh, in. Well, we'll just read verses 23 through 25. It says, When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name, and they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about, about man, for he himself knew what was in man. The shadow had the reputation of kind of knowing what people were up to, the evil that people were up to. He had some kind of superpower, I guess. I, I don't know. I never did follow it that close. But we see here that, that Jesus, in the midst of all the great things that were happening in Jerusalem, we have to remember that this is time of the Pentecost. There's, there's thousands upon thousands of people there that usually aren't there. There's a great um, air of excitement that is going around. Everybody is gathered for the run re one reason, and that is to worship God for, for bringing them out of bondage and into the promised land. And everybody's probably coming up to Jesus and just going, you know, that a boy, love all what you're doing, everything. And, you know, some of us, we, we hear that and, we, you know, we don't know how to take it sometimes, do we? We don't know how to take a compliment, do we? I found out the best way to do that is just say thank you and just kind of move on. But sometimes people give compliments expecting something. Expecting something in return. And it says there in verse 25, it says, For he himself knew what was in man. Jesus knew the heart of what was in man. And when I say man, it's mankind, okay? Not just the male species, but all of mankind. Not a real trick if you go back and think of it. Because Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And even Isaiah before Paul wrote, No one is righteous. 
No, not one. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. See, we were born sinners. And sin is in our hearts. But the bad thing about it is, is that as man, we, we are very vain and prideful people. I used to say that, that God knocked all the pride out of me years ago. I've come to find out that that wasn't true. You might laugh, but it's very, very sad. See, man is born sinful. And we don't like to acknowledge that sin in our life. And Jesus is letting us know this. He knows what's inside of us. He knows more than what we know that we're just sinners. He knows the specific sins in our life. Those things that we kept hidden from our closest people, we have never told about. God knows about those things. And before you get too sad, I like the scripture. It says this. Even though God knew all the sin in us, he still went to the cross for us. It says that, for he himself knew what was in man. Now my Bible right there has the heading above chapter 3, you must be born again. I don't, yours probably has something else, but it, you, it will probably have something else right there. But we, if we remove that heading and went straight into verse 1, we, we, we see this thing here. It says, now there was a man. Jesus knows the heart of man, and then there was this man that came up. Now Jesus is about to make an object lesson for us all through Nicodemus. Nicodemus, it says, was a Pharisee. Pharisees were part of the ruling class there of Israel. Matter of fact, they were probably the largest class in Israel. But more than that, it says that he was a ruler of, of the Jews, which mean, meant that he was a part of the Sanhedrin, which was the governing court. A, maybe a little bit like our Supreme Court. They, they kind of make the laws, but they also enforce the laws too. Everything hinged around that Sanhedrin. So Nicodemus is a very, very religious man. He could quote the first five books of the Bible by heart. Can anybody here do that? I mean, honestly, we're doing pretty good with John 3.16, aren't we? I remember one time I was, I was preparing for a sermon. One of the Psalms, a short one, caught my attention. And I willed myself to memorize that as part of, the, part of the sermon. God blessed. He didn't give me a stuttering voice at that time. It went off real well. But I've since forgotten that, that chapter. But Nicodemus, he could quote backwards, forwards, the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And how he got past with all the begats and all that, who got, you know, I, I don't know. Nicodemus was a very smart, 
well-respected and wealthy man. If you were to say that anybody was a godly man, it would have been Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Was Nicodemus afraid of being seen with Jesus, of talking with Jesus? I think Nicodemus had enough clout that he wasn't worried about that too much. But I think Nicodemus came to Jesus' night for two reasons. One, he was a very religious man and a leader of the nation of Israel, so that meant he was very, very busy. He was very busy giving advice to people who come to him in a court situation. He was very busy in, 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 in teaching the scripture to people. He was very busy about going about doing good works, uh, making sure the widows were taken care for, making sure the poor was taken care for, making sure the, uh, uh, the, the orphan was cared for. And if you read your Bibles, God makes very clearly, he takes a very dif much dislike if we do not take care of the disenfranchised. people that cannot help themselves, the people that do not have a voice for themselves. So Nicodemus was a very busy man. And the second reason I think that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night was this, is that he didn't want to have any uh, interruptions. Thank you. See why I have her around? <laughs> sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. <laughs> she will correct me. Uh, he didn't want to be distracted by anything that was going on. He, did, he wanted to have a serious conversation with Jesus. I'm sure he had all kinds of doctrinal issues that he wanted to discuss okay he had all kinds of things that he had questions about but notice what Nicodemus comes up and says this man came to, to Jesus by night and said to him Rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs unless you uh, unless God is with him John writes in his epistles that Jesus did so many miracles. He did so much preaching that is not contained within Scripture that we have. He says that, that if we were to write down everything that Jesus said and done, it says that we would not have enough paper, we would not have enough ink in all the world to write all these things down. So what we have in the Gospels are just a snapshot just a flash in the time of eternity of what Jesus has done, what he has said. And he saw something in Jesus that he was more than just a man. He was more than just a prophet. He was more than just a teacher but that he was from God. He didn't understand. This is what he was probably there for, to try to understand these things. 
I think we lose a lot when we cannot recognize God at work in our life or in and around the world in which we live. God created us for one reason and one reason only. Has nothing to do with us. It was to display his glory, his power, his authority, his holiness, his righteousness, his grace, his mercy, his love. And we were meant to stand in the presence all of all of this uninterrupted for all eternity. But something did happen, and it was sin. And this is what this passage is all about, that Jesus knows our greatest need, and that is to be reconciled to him. And instead of asking Nicodemus, Nicodemus, what's on your mind? Jesus already knows what's on his mind. Jesus already knows what's on his heart. You ever been in those situations where in the South, we, it's very common this time of year, okay? It's, okay, you, you remember Friday? Anybody remember Friday, how hot it was Friday? Yeah, okay. Okay, that don't even close, Mississippi, okay? Okay, in Mississippi, it's like 98 degrees and 90% humidity from April till October. Okay, it's Friday every day. And when the temper gets hot, so do the tempers. And we get caught off guard by somebody and we just go off on. Now, I know this has never happened to you, but. And we don't know why, other than we just lost it for a while. But see, Jesus knows why we went off. Jesus knows those hot button issues for us, He knows what we really, really long for. And that's him. And he says to Nicodemus, and he, and he does this three or four times here in, in our scripture for this morning. It says, truly, truly. Okay. Whenever in scripture it repeats itself, scripture is saying to us, God is saying to us, wake up, pay attention. This is important. He says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus is going, what? Where'd this come from? But this is exactly what was on Nicodemus' heart. The, we forget as Gentiles, we forget as Christians that this book was written to Jewish people in a Jewish culture, in a Middle East culture. 
And Nicodemus grew up knowing that he was a part of God's chosen people. That he chose, that God chose the Israelite people out of all the peoples on earth to be his special people. The people to call his very own. We kind of see that in America. Not so much maybe today, but when I was growing up and some of you were growing up, we just assumed that everybody was a Christian because you were an American. Today, we still see these things. People that call themselves Christians just simply because they're mother or father were Christians or that they have attended the church every so often or things of this nature. But we look at their lives and their lives do not match up what they profess and to what they actually do. Their walk does not match their talk. And we grow up and feeling so self-secured about our position because we always were taught that well, you're just saved. You're just a Christian. And not thinking so much about it. I remember pastoring a church and another pastor called me about one of my church members that he'd seen on TV because he was running for some political office. And he says, I'm just curious. He says, how often does he come to church? I said, Every Memorial Day, and on Memorial Day in the South is, is the birthday of that church. Whenever that church was founded, there, that all the people from, I don't know, from everywhere <laughs> that even thought about that church would come, and, and there's nothing holy about it. There's more ancestor worship than anything else. But yet, there are people that call themselves Christians that are not, that just assume that they are just because that's the way it's always been. And the one thing that was on every Jew's mind was the kingdom of God. And, and what did John the Baptist come preaching? What did Jesus come preaching? He, they, were, they both had the same message. Repent for the kingdom of God is what? At hand. Everybody was wanting the Messiah to God to come. Everybody was wanting that, that, that God kingdom to be set up, to be ruled by God. This is what every Jewish person wanted, longed for. This is what they prayed for. This is what they hoped for. This is what consumed them. And Nicodemus sounds just like us in verse 4. It says, how can a man be born old? When he is old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Again, kind of get caught off guard here. Instead of thinking of things as God would think about them, as God intended us to think about them, about him, we revert to the physical, the natural.
Jesus doesn't say. And in and, and, and the South, we say, bless your heart. Okay. Most of the time it means, you know, I really like you. You know, I hope things kind of get better for you. But sometimes it means, how can you be this stupid? <laughs> you just got to know the context in which it's, in which it's said. Um, I have taught my cohorts at work this, and they, they bring it up all the time. Uh, Jesus says, truly, truly, there again, this is one of those things that we really want to hone in on. It says, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought, I'm a Jew. I'm gone, okay? It's a settled deal. And Jesus says, no, it's not. He says the only way to, to have eternal life, the only way to see the kingdom of God is to be born of the Spirit. Not of good works. Not of good deeds. But to be born of the Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. The world tells us that there are many roads to heaven. There are many ways to God, and that is not true. One of the bumper stickers that, that get my Irish up, and I'm Scotch-Irish, so I'm allowed to have it, okay, is these bumper stickers that say coexist with all the religious symbols on them. If they mean by that we should be friendly and cordial to one another, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. But if, if that means that we are to be equal with one another, I disagree with that 100%. Because Jesus Christ is the only way. There is no other. Jesus and Nicodemus says, how can, how can this be? And, he's, and Jesus says in Nicodemus in verse 10, says, you're the teacher? You're supposed to be the role model? You're the one that's supposed to have the voice? You're the one that's supposed to have the knowledge? And you don't know these things? Now, don't get on Nicodemus. We're just like him. And he, Jesus tells him, because Nicodemus is smart, he does know his scripture, and he takes Nicodemus back to a chapter in Numbers. In verse 14 it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, what was happening here was that the nation of Israel, as they were coming out of, of, of Egypt and on their 40-year journey in, in the wilderness to 
uh, the promised land, to the land of Israel, uh, that they displeased God not once, twice, but countless times. God had enough of it at one situation and caused these snakes to come in and start biting people. And if these snakes bit you, that you died, okay? I'm deathly afraid of snakes, okay? If I see one at work, that's, that's, that's gone. I'm going to the house. I'll come back tomorrow, but the day's over with. <laughs> Little bitty garter snake. You know, it doesn't matter. Never been bitten. I ain't going to give them a chance. But instead of killing the snakes... Instead of coming out with some type of trap, instead of coming up with some, some salve or something like this to counteract that snake bite, God told the people to make a, a, a bronze mold of a snake and put it on a pole. And if God said, if you looked up that, at that snake and believed that, that the God that sent all this stuff can take it away, then you would be healed. I have a problem with preachers today and all they say is they, they quote that John 3.16 whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life and they preach a whole sermon on believe, 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 believe. The context in which believe was written in our scriptures is not the same context we use today in the word believe. Believe to us today is an intellectual ascent, an intellectual, see, knowledge of, of a fact. Not so the meaning of Scripture, belief. The meaning of the word belief in the Scripture is one of faith. I see this, but I don't understand this. It is also one of commitment to James makes it real clear in his epistle. It says, even Satan and the demons believe who Jesus is. And they shudder. They're not going to make it to the kingdom of God. But they know who Jesus is. See, it's just not believing that Jesus is a good person. It is just not believing that he is the son of God, but it is committing your life to him in faith. And this word lifted up means, yes, the crucifixion, but I don't think the disciples, the apostles, surely wasn't thinking of crucifixion, especially this early in Jesus' ministry. They had no concept of this resurrection and what was going to be happening. Nicodemus surely didn't. Although this is, I think, God, uh, Jesus himself is preparing us and them for that time. But that word lifted up also means to glorify. And when we lift up Jesus... And we glorify him for who he is. And in John chapter 1, there in the first 
first few verses, it tells us that this Jesus is God and that he is the creator of all of the universe. He is the one that created you and me. And it says there, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the guarantee is to us that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your political affiliations. It doesn't matter on anything but who you are. If you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your future. It doesn't matter have anything to do with you. It has solely dependent upon God. And he loved you that much. You are his creation. When he, when he created all the earth and all those different days, those five days, he said that it is good. But on that sixth day, when he created me and you, when he created mankind and put his image upon us and in us, he said it is very good. says that he didn't come to condemn us because our sins already condemn us. Now we get back to that verse 25 in chapter 2 and that he knew the hearts of man. See, the choice, we have two choices here this morning. We can accept Jesus, make him Lord and Savior of our life because he gave his life for us. He shed his, his blood on that cross for us. He sacrificed himself for our sins. He who had no sin became sin for us that we would live for him. And as Nicodemus had the problem of living in the light and running through the darkness, so do we. We're all fine and good about Jesus and John 3, 16. For God so loved the world and we just stop there and think everybody gets to go to heaven. Everybody's going to get saved. And it's not true. Some of the saddest times I've ever had was to preach the funerals of people that I knew who were lost and were in hell. How you tell a family member that the one that they love so much you won't ever see them again. But we like Nicodemus want to live the lies that we tell us, tell ourselves. I go to church. I read the scripture. I do good work. That's enough. That's the darkness. We can look and examine our lives, examine our hearts. God, am I really following you? 
Or do I just take you off the shelf when I need you? And when I don't, I just put you back up. I take the words that I like in, that are in the Bible. I take them. I memorize them. I live by those. But those that I don't like, I kind of shut up. And I, I don't live by those. No. It's in or out. It's all or none. So the question we need to ask ourselves this morning, what is our heart? What is God revealing to us through Jesus Christ today? Are we following him? Or are we more swayed by the world and its attractions? Those that believe in him commit their life to him, have eternal life. Folks, that is a promise that can never be taken away from you. I'm a firm believer, once saved, always saved. There's nothing, just like there was nothing for you to get eternal life, you couldn't buy it, you can't earn it. It was a gift of God's grace through you, through faith. It can't be taken away from you. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 there in the last verse it says, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. He says, governments can't do it. You can't do it. Satan can't do it. God can't do it. Nobody can take away the salvation we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. It's a done deal. I pray today that you live Examine your heart. Examine your life. This world is looking for authentic Christians. They, they hate us. I know they hate us. But they love us at the same time. They want to know if it's true. And they look at our lives. And if they see us living according to Scripture, according to God's Word, following Him, even when it's inconvenient, then they know it's real. And they too will put their life into Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today to thank you and to praise you for this day. Father, the great many blessings that you have given us. Father, you have given us a great and wonderful land to live in. but we're just passing through this land. This land will be burned up. This land will be taken away. This land will not survive the test of time. But your kingdom will. Father, I pray today that if there's somebody here that's not living for you, that's never made you Lord and Savior of their life, that today, God, today they would. Father, our prayer is for those of us that have. Father, we have become weary. We have become worn. We are tired. 
and many times perplexed. But God, let us renew the right spirit within us. Father, by your spirit, Father, lead us into your ways, into your word, and into your presence. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning, and you guys have a great week.